been waiting. Um, let's close our eyes. Take a big breath. Imagine that God is sitting in front of you and he is looking at you and you call him by name. What name do you call God that's near you? What attribute do you see of him? And as you breathe in, breathe in the name of God. And imagine that he looks at you and he says, my child, what is it that you need from me today? What do you want from me today? And in one word or a short phrase, um, answer that question. And as you breathe out, breathe out that request of God. So as you breathe in, breathe in the name for God. And as you breathe out, breathe out what it is that you need of him today. Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Father, we are thankful to be with you this morning. Thank you for being with us. I pray that you would, um, you would lead us where you desire us to go. And we would leave here a little bit different because of how we meet one of you through the people around us, through a word and a song, through something in, in your story. Lord, may we be formed by you. Um, as I was uh, thinking about this time, I, um, I kept thinking about the word liminal. And um, the word liminal is one of the definitions means is that it's a space between. It's, it's um, it is the uncomfortable in my life. It is the uncomfortable space of being in between what was and what will be. But it's not yet, you're, we're just found in this space in between. Um, some of the stories in the world that, that I love that are found in liminal spaces are the Chronicles of Narnia and the Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. They are all in these this liminal space, this space where what was is no more, what is has not yet come, and they're in this space in between of figuring out what is what, which direction is where to go, and there is a power struggle for who is going to win. So in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there is this, there is this great battle for um, will the White Witch keep control of Narnia, or will Aslan get, get his day, or, there, or in Lord of the Rings, um, 
I really hate Lord of the Rings 2. It is the longest, longest book of in-between space. I really love Arrival in my life, so in-between is very uncomfortable for me. And so reading The Two Towers was the most painful exercise of patience that maybe I have known to date, and it was self-inflicted. And so um, I, as I was listening to the story, I just thought, oh my gosh, when will this battle ever end and the hopelessness and the darkness that is felt in the in-between? And then... Um, and then in Harry Potter, there's this great battle over who's going to win. Is it going to be Voldemort? Is it going to be Dumbledore? Will Harry, like, what will happen? And the hero in all of these stories is the smallest, the most unexpected, um, childlike person. Um, I had no intention of talking about Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, or <laughs> Chronicles of Narnia this morning. And, um, and yet... When I think about liminal space, these are the spaces that I think about. And I think about this tension that is felt that you, we can feel the tension of something that is vying for um, arrival, for a resolution, for a place to finally rest and say it is finished. Um, if you will, we're going to look at three stories of liminal space. And um, the first is found in John chapter 11, and it is the story of Lazarus. And I am going to, I am just going to read part of this story. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. The, um, This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same as the Mary who poured out perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was. I don't know about you, but I read that. That is not the reaction that I want from Jesus. So when Jesus, the one who heals, the one who restores, the one who gives life, heard that his friend whom he loved was sick, he stayed where he was. Lazarus ends up dying. Lazarus is buried in a tomb. Jesus hears about this, and he and his friends go to see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Upon his arrival, Martha sees him far off, and she runs to him, and she says, um, if you had been here, my, I know my, you could have healed my brother. I don't know if you've ever asked that question of God, if you had been here, then it might be one of my favorite questions to ask God. If you had been here. And then um, as we keep reading, uh, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, 
If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. um, Martha answered, I know. I, I know he will. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she said all this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly, and she went to him, and now Jesus had not yet entered the village. He, um, he was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews had, who had been grieving with Mary in the house, comforting her, they noticed how quickly she got up and she went out. They followed her. And supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not be dead he would not have died when jesus saw her weeping and the jews who had come along with her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled where have you laid him he asked come and see lord they replied jesus wept martha's response and mary's response their first question was if you had been here their first statement if you had been here My brother wouldn't have died. Then Jesus says, "Um, your brother will rise again. And Martha, going right to the place where I tend to go, oh, I know. I know he's going to rise again. I know the facts. I know how this works. You're the Messiah. He's going to rise again. And he's like, oh, you're, you're not getting the fullness of the story. I am that resurrection. I am the life. If you believe in me, you're never gonna. You're, you're not gonna die. And I love that in this story, um, the movement of Jesus is towards those he loves. First, he um, does the confusing thing to me of saying he loved them, and so he stayed put when he found out that his friend was sick. Then, when he found out his friend had died. He's like, oh, this isn't the end of the story. I know the full arc of this story. I know how it's going to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk now towards my friend, whom I love. And he walks and he meets Martha, and she's like, oh, I had great sorrow, unmet expectations, despair, hopelessness, darkness, this space where the end that they think and that they didn't want is here. And Jesus says, oh, the story's not done yet. You're still in between. And instead of condemning them for not immediately going, oh, yeah, we're going to go over to the tomb and you're going to raise our friend, what Jesus did is he actually moved towards them in their grief and he wept. Knowing the end of the story, he still met with them in the middle 
on his dreams with their voice. A number of years ago, um, I was, um, I had three friends. We were all, um, we were all, we were all in relationships at the time. They, um, everything was going really great. Mine ended, these two stayed, and, um, and then I got asked to officiate their wedding. <laughs> and so here I was, I was 10 years older than each of these girls and each of these women, and I um, was sitting the morning of this wedding. My official title was, I was Carrie Jenkins, who was going to bring the Jesus fire. That was what was written in the bulletin. <laughs> and so here I was supposed to bring the Jesus fire, and I was like, how am I supposed to talk about something when I feel the absence of the answer in my own story? I don't know if that has ever been a part of your story where there's been something in your life, a grief that you've had, something has ended, something that you desired um, didn't come through, something that you wanted didn't happen. And in that moment, um, you choose, what am I going to do here? Now, I was brought up in a pretty um, very fundamental environment, and there was a lot of shame that I learned in my language and relationship with God. And so what I wanted to do was shame myself for not believing enough that God desired my good. And in that moment, I decided, well, I don't, I don't, I don't think that is the right way. So I'm going to be, I'm going to just be honest about where I am. And the first thing that popped into my, into my head, as I'm sure it would be all of yours, was Handel's Messiah. <laughs> so um, I, Handel's Messiah is the second concert that I went to as a child. I was in the second grade. I think it's amazing I sat through it. Um, but the thing that I love about Handel's Messiah, if you don't know this, it is, it's one piece of music. It's over two hours long, and it has lots of stops and starts along the way. But if you pay attention, I did a lot of music appreciation as a child, so I learned that when you go to a, a concert and there's a conductor, you are not allowed to applaud until the conductor puts his hands down. And when his hands are down, that is the sign that the story and the song has ended, and you can now recognize the ending by, by applauding. If you've ever been to the Messiah, the musical, it's not really a musical, piece of music. Now I'm caught my head back to earth. Um, so <laughs> if, if you've been to a performance of the Messiah, you will notice that the conductor's arms do not go down the entirety of the movement of music because it's one song. It goes from the birth of the foretelling, the prophecy of the birth of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and it's still not finished at his resurrection. It continues to go all the way to the last amen of the last scripture that is the amen at the end of the wedding feast of the lamb. That is the end of the story. That is the end of the song. It's the end of the movement. And so while I am sitting here preparing for my, um, my homily for the, for the wedding where I was bringing the Jesus fire, I immediately thought of how I am at an imaginary ending. I'm not at the end yet. I'm still in the middle. The conductor's arms are not down, and I get to choose to believe that the song is going to keep going. 
and that my story will continue to keep going and that God's story in my life will continue to keep going. And I was able to enter into that time of going like, oh, we all have imaginary stops and starts in our lives here. But the end does not happen until the amen at the end of the wedding feast of the Lamb. That is not today. So here Jesus knows this tension that we feel, that we experience grief, we experience separation, we experience death, we experience loss. And in that moment, instead of judging our grief, going like, don't you know the song isn't done yet? Don't you know your story's not over? He meets them in their grief and he weeps. Blessed are friends who weep with you, Jesus. The second story is found in Mark chapter 5. It's a story of a man named um, Jairus. And um, this man um, I have paid attention to in recent months in a really unique way. Um, I was a part of a group that we were listening to this story, and in it we were supposed to imagine that we were, we were Jairus. And in that, what would we be experiencing as we as this story unfolds in our life so if you would we can go to mark chapter 5 and um i'm going to read a little bit of this story starting with verse 21 when jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake a large crowd gathered around him while he was there then one of the synagogue leaders named jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she had been freed from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who? Who touched my clothes? His friends were like, um, you see these people crowding against you? His disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. The woman, knowing that she, um, what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith is healed you go in peace and be freed from your suffering while jesus was still speaking while jesus was still speaking some people came from the house of jairus the synagogue leader your daughter is dead they said why bother the teacher anymore overhearing what they had said jesus told him So here is another story. 
When I heard this story um, two months ago, my response was, was like, oh, that is the feeling of being caught between someone else's miracle and my dead body. But what? How did this yesterday end? Here's Jesus who was with him, and yet Jesus paused. And while he was still talking, I don't know if you've ever felt that with Jesus. Like, okay, like, let's get to action now. Like, can you do something about it? And um, while he's still talking, one of Jairus' servants comes to him. The daughter's dying. Just run. Don't bother. Just don't bother her. And Jesus, again, instead of condemning that word or that unbelief, he goes in, and I imagine, like now, if Jesus were with Jairus, this is how the scene would go. That he would put his arm around him and he'd whisper in his ear with this, like, whimsical strength that says, go home, Jesus says, early in the morning, she's just asleep. Everyone starts laughing at him. Oh, goodness, you don't even know, like, what death is. Jesus sends most everyone away. He goes inside, and with the same strength, he calls one of her servants, and she stands up. Jesus knew the art that was going to fail right away. Cyrus had no impact on her daughter. And then she, the daughter came out, and in Mark, it says, and everyone was astonished. Um, that's a really fun study to do sometime, to go through the book of Mark and just look at all the places where the crowd responded, and they were astonished. It's really great. So in this space in between where it feels like all hope is gone, Jesus weeps with her. He does not heal her. Jesus whispers in her ear. He might, he might say something like, just believe. Just believe. And sometimes I go, well, that's easy for me to say if I'm honest. And sometimes I go, there's not a trick I can do with that. And then I can say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Liminal space. It's the space in between. It is a space between what has been, what will be. And in those three large narratives that I talked about at the beginning, there is something that is being wrestled out in this space in between. It's a space where it looks like dark is going to win and have the last word. And then somehow... Frodo and his friend Sam are able to cast that ring into the fire. Um, the children are somehow able to, um, to conquer the white witch with the help of Aslan. And, and um, Harry somehow kills Voldemort. And um, I think, <laughs> I, guys, I'm not good at remembering all the details. Um, but like in this story, 
the who is vying for the attention and the power is this liminal space is there's something going on inside of us. Who's going to win the narrative? Is it going to be the story of death or is it going to be the story of life? Is it going to be the story of loss or is it going to be the story of, of being whipped and being found? And to be honest, there have been many times in my life where the story of being lost seemed a lot more powerful than the story of being found. Where the story of being caught in between someone else's miracle in a dead dream, that would be my little sign that you are healed. And I need Jesus to come to me and say, I don't know how to get up. I don't know how to stand up. I need Jesus to weep with me. I need Jesus to mourn with me. I need Jesus to whisper in my ear, And then we're, as we're in this Lent season of preparing for this story that has impacted all of our lives, I assume, in some way, is the death of Jesus that sends his friends into a day that is called Holy Saturday, the day after death, where it looks like darkness reigns. They don't know the end of the story, although they've been told the end of the story. But they have to live in this place of my dream ended. The guy I followed is dying. He's over. And here I am. What do I do now? In, in a sense, we both live in Holy Saturday all of the time. And in the, in the fact that we are, not, we are in this liminal space in between what is now and what is not yet. And we also live in this space of, of getting encounters with Jesus all along the way. So just like the piece of music, Handel's Messiah, there are these stops and starts that make it feel like this one piece of music is actually a many. Our lives can feel that way. We can feel like, oh, this is the end. And Jesus is like, oh, hold on. Hold on. We're not there yet. The story isn't over yet. And we can sometimes feel both at the same time. We can feel the pain of death, the pain of loss, the pain of unmet expectation, the pain of, of the job that we didn't get, the career we thought we'd have, the relationship we thought we'd have, the, uh, the child we thought we would have, the, the dream that we thought we'd have. A, a friendship that might have ended, um, family relationships that have been divided, death feels like there, and we can take Holy Saturday and say, what now? And simultaneously, we can hold tight that the story is not over. That space is liminal. This space in between. This space where we are Jesus comes and he weeps with us. The space where Jesus whispers in our ear, don't be afraid, believe. The space where we, are, we can be reminded of the story that we've been a part of so far and yet, and yet is not yet finished. And we can put ourselves around people who will help remind us to not doubt 
decided to. In the three narratives of uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Lord of the Rings, and um, Harry Potter, their friends were a big part of the project. You need each other. And in scripture, Jesus went away with his friends on a regular basis. He moved towards people. And we are not expected to do this alone. In the liminal space of life, we need each other. We need each other to remind us that the story's not over when our story's not over. We need to be the voice to remind someone else the story's not over when their story feels like it's over. And then we get to remember together. That's part of what this space is like for me, to come into a place to be reminded that my story is a part of something much bigger. And there's hope and there's and even when death feels like it is has the final word, um, I get to come to a place like this and be reminded of like, oh, death has no, it doesn't, it doesn't have the last word. Or I get to have someone see me and look me in the eye and say, oh, you don't look so good today. That might be because I slept ter- terribly, but it also might be that they see what's really happening inside. And someone weeps with me like Jesus did. Or someone believes with me like Jesus does. Or somebody gets to remind me of the resurrection when I want to only focus in on death. And then together we get to worship. And we get to worship this Jesus who holds the arc of the entirety of our story and the kingdom story together. So as we find ourselves in this season of Lent and we're moving closer towards Easter, my prayer is that we will we will be able to name the liminal space that we feel. Is there a place where we feel like death has the final word right now? Is there a place where we um, have experienced loss? Is there a place where we feel like we've just been invisible to God? And then know that our stories are hard. And if you look around this room or you see people as you walk out today, my hope is that you will look in each other's eyes and you will remind them that this story is not over. Jesus, we are thankful that we get to be a part of your story. And we are thankful that you weep when you know the ending, that you invite belief when you know um, that unbelief is louder, that you don't condemn us but you invite us to be with you and be with each other. That not even the darkness is dark to you, for night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. May we remind one another in our doubts and in our fears and in our loss and in our unmet expectations that the amen of the light of the kings of the realm has not yet happened in the next moment. 
immediately speak with a non-Canadian and invite them in. Largely based, helped largely by 